You're listening to a recording of a live radio show on NPR News. If you want to listen to us in real time, you can stream our show live weekday mornings at 9 a.m. Central. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Good morning, I'm Carrie Miller, and this is Flyover 2020 on NPR News, a show about who we are in tumultuous times. Here in the Midwest, we're in one of the most unpredictable places in electoral politics. Fifty counties in Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Illinois that switched from years of electing Democrats to supporting Donald Trump in 2016. We call them the flipped counties, and we're asking this. Which issues, beliefs, and questions are animating voters in the Midwest, and what does that forecast for 2020 today? our complicated relationship with patriotism. Listen to how former President Clinton recently eulogized the patriotism of the late Michigan Congressman John Dingell. He loved politics, but he also understood that not everyone would would agree with him. And if you believe in the Constitution of the United States, that that was a good thing. It would give us a better, stronger country as long as we continue to see each other first as people. People first. Listen to how President Trump recently asked farmers in the midst of a trade war to reach for their patriotism. We love our farmers. We take care of our farmers. Our farmers have been incredible. No country can get in the way of our farmers. Our farmers are great patriots, and they've done a fantastic job. So our farmers are going to be very well taken care of. But patriotism is more than just a deep connection to a president or a symbol of America like the flag or the star-spangled banner. Mark Twain defined a patriot as the person who can holler without knowing what he's hollering about. Our guests are going to share their definitions of what patriotism is, but I'm interested in how you define it for yourself. We're talking about it today because an election year inevitably means an appeal to patriotism, and it's often distorted in a political season. We think it's best if the voters, not the candidates or the pundits, define what patriotism is in America. So I'd like to hear you on this. How do you define your own kind of patriotism? Is it an unwavering allegiance to America? Is it critical and challenging? Does it require that if some Americans do well, all Americans should do well? Is it a commitment to the wider aspiration of America? So I'd like to know, when you get beyond the symbols, how you define your brand of patriotism, whether it can be critical of America, whether it's really about all boats rising, whether it's an idea that we take care of one another. Is it critical? Is it challenging? Talk to me about it this morning. 651-227-6000-800-242-2828 and on Twitter at Carrie NPR. Francesco Duina is with us. He's a professor at Bates College in Maine and the author of Broke and Patriotic, Why Poor Americans Love Their Country. He's with us from Lewiston, Maine. Francesco, welcome. It's good to have you on the show. Good to be here. Thank you. Arlie Russell Hochschild is with us. She's a sociologist and the author of the book Strangers in Their Own Land. It was nominated for a National Book Award. She's with us today from California. And Arlie, welcome to you. Good to have you on the show. 
Hi, pleased to be here. I hope uh, first names are all right with everybody as we get into the show. Sure. Uh, um, Arlie, I think of patriotism as this two-sided coin. You know, one side is an individual's belief in in the mythology, the ideal of America. The other side of it is an individual's belief about what else makes up America. Who else gets to participate in the myth? I get the sense that as you researched your book in Louisiana, you were thinking about the duality of this idea of patriotism, yes? Yes, very much so. Um, I spent five years uh, researching, getting to know people in Louisiana who were uh, very much um, enthusiastic about the Tea Party and later uh, about uh, Donald Trump. And um, they were blue-collar, white, and um, highly patriotic. As you go along the street, you see American flags on... um, uh, mailboxes, uh, people have the flag on their T-shirts and their pickup trucks. And uh, when I asked people what uh, it meant, it meant uh, to them they felt very strongly American, um, and they they were proud to be an American, and they were willing to sacrifice for being an American. So the I think it made them feel safe, it made them feel proud, and it brought out the best in them as they felt. You know, that I would, uh, one man I talked to, he opens the book uh, in, in chapter one, and he says, you know, I would die for my country. So um, the the notion of being called and being being the best of you brought out, I mm-hmm. think, was was very, very strong. Yeah, Francesco, I'm curious about how you would describe the characteristics of patriotism. And again, I know that we are accustomed to thinking of patriotism as synonymous with a an emotional reaction to the flag or to the national anthem. I'm asking our listeners to think a little more deeply than that, and I wondered what people said when you started to dig in as you were researching your book. Mm-hmm. Right. So I have my own definition, but I can certainly tell you what I heard. Talk, talk to me about both was, things. I, I'd like to hear your sure. definition, too, bef- before you, you uh, go into what people told you. Well, my own definition is a little bit non-traditional, but it is not only uh, it refers not only to a love of country, but also to a sense that one's country is somehow superior, if not you know, it's great, but also ultimately a great country, a superior country, in many ways the best country uh, to be in. So much so that, in fact, as Arlie said, someone would die for that. Um, that's typically mm-hmm. defined as nationalism, but in my view the two terms are kind of quite similar. Um, what I did here I, a lot, and my, the population that I spoke with, the people that I spoke with were mostly economically very poor people, all of them, in fact, mm. was a clear uh, appreciation for the nation, mm-hmm. not the state. <clears throat> so mm-hmm. that's an important difference. And mm-hmm. uh, the nation, uh, particularly, I would say, notions of uh, what I would call civic individualism, I an attachment to sort of the notions of individual liberty and freedom. There were three themes that I heard uh, overall. One was about hope. 
uh, America representing hope for themselves, but also for the world. Another was a belief that America is the land of milk and honey, mm-hmm. and uh, there's it's a very rich country, and they took personal responsibility for their own life trajectories. And finally, freedom. Uh, freedom, both uh, mental freedom, as they described it to me, but also physical, such as, I know, I'm free to be homeless. And I heard a lot of those kinds of themes as well. Yeah, uh, Arlie, you're reacting kind of the way I am. You would think that if I'm not fully participating in the economic wealth of a country, I wouldn't necessarily see that as freedom. Does that surprise you? Yes, free to be homeless. I know. Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, it's it, it, these things become turned back on themselves. The... Two things come to mind, but first of all, we have to look at what's happening in the lives of uh, poor people that feel patriotic. Um, You know, uh, since 1970s especially, the rich have gotten richer and the poor have gotten poorer, as we know. And um, education has become like this wall that slices society, you know, the people that have it get into the middle class, the people that don't increasingly um, fall back. But to feel free to be on the wrong side of this slice is is sad. People, I think, um, uh, so that's the first thought. But the second is, so they don't ask of their country to right. that it um, not slice society in this way, that right. it doesn't penalize them that. They don't ask that. I think yeah. there's another side to what Francesco is looking at here, which is that if you feel um, uh, free uh, and that you see your life as one of choices and you love your country because it lets you make your own free choices, you blame yourself if uh, if you end at the bottom. And I think Donald Trump plays on the shame of those who uh, can't make it in America. Let's see and what I- our listeners have to say about this. We have full phone lines, so I want to hear from as many people as we can. We will definitely come back, and, and I want our listeners to think about what you've just said about the shame dimension of this, Arlie. To the phones, to Sam. In Rochester, hi Sam. What comes to mind as you contemplate this idea of patriotism? Um, I disagree uh, with one thing that was said earlier. I I think there is a clear difference between patriotism and nationalism. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I heard a good analogy about it, where a patriot might be somebody who builds their own house and they're proud of their house, and they want other people to come see their house and how good it is, whereas nationalism would be more like you built your house and you don't want people to come see it. Your house is superior. You want them to stay away from your house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so Sam, you are alert to the differences or where patriotism and nationalism fall on a, on a similar spectrum, it sounds like. They're, they're similar, but I, I feel they can be uh, they can be separated, and I feel one is good and one is distinctly bad. Francesco, I'm curious about what you make of that. 
I think it's a fair it's a fair point, uh, but at the same time, I think that often uh, patriotism can have elements of if, implicitly so elements of look at my house, it's really great. Well, great relative to what? Uh, relative to houses in general, right? So there is a comparative dimension. It's not necessarily bad, and nor is it necessarily something that excludes people by definition, but it is comparative, and it's just one way of looking at it. But I understand you the know, distinction. It's a distinction that's established in the literature, for sure. I, I appreciate the comment. Yeah, Arlie, you were going to say? I agree with what Francesco just said now, um, and with the caller, um and I think there's a difference between patriotism that um, that says, well, look, uh, it's the Constitution that holds us together, right? It's, it's, uh, we're, it's a civic uh, gathering. Uh, we're American because of that. And nationalism, I think of as saying, no, we're a particular group of ethnic groups. I think of if you look at what's happening in India today under President Modi and Mm -hmm. BJP, what he's saying is, oh, all Muslims get out of here. This is a Hindu nation, right? That's nationalism. Uh, It's very different from patriotism, which can pull together all the national, all of the uh, different religious and ethnic groups we are. Yeah, but Francesco, this is why I talked about the two-sided coin of this and why when I, when I consider this, I think of the added element of maybe I've got my, my American dream in whatever version it is. What do I think about giving access, opening the door to others to also participate in that American dream? Like, I think for me, I guess, and I'm curious about what you think, that's an important element of what patriotism is. Absolutely. I would agree with you. I think there's multiple, there are multiple kinds of uh, actual, actually nationalisms. One would be not just ethnic, one is civic. Mm-hmm. Ours is civic individualistic nationalism. And that's what I heard a lot of and, and about. And many of the people that I met were actually quite open to other people coming in and wanting to join the American dream, uh, but wanting to join the American dream on a, on, a no, on a set of notions that pivot around civic values and civic values that are not collective values, but are individual values. Um, and, and it's a tragedy in some ways, as I already said, that that means that they, that it might mean that they relish in the freedom to be homeless, but at the same time, that recognition of the value, they would say the universal value of that of that civic individualism afforded them an enormous amount of dignity. So on the one hand, we can say, poor people, they don't know what they're talking about. On the other hand, I personally was awed by how much dignity and agency ultimately they also felt. And uh, of course, it's two-sided coin, as, as to use the same metaphor you used, but... I think it's a little bit subtler than than what we just said. Yeah, yeah. Um, Since we're having this conversation in a political season, I went through and looked for some of the words of different politicians, how they think about patriotism. Here's Ronald Reagan in his address from his 1989 farewell speech to to the country. And he was contemplating what patriotism meant to him. Listen. Younger parents aren't sure that an unambivalent appreciation of America is the right thing to teach modern children. 
And as for those who create the popular culture, well-grounded patriotism is no longer the style. Our spirit is back, but we haven't re-institutionalized it. We've got to do a better job of getting across that America is freedom. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of enterprise, and freedom is special and rare. This is a conversation in our Flyover 2020 series. Today, we are talking about the idea of patriotism, how Americans share a common belief about what America is, what patriotism means to us individually. And I'm asking you this morning, along with our guests, how you define your own brand of patriotism. How does your life experience inform what you think it means to be patriotic. Francesco Duina is one of our guests. He's the author of Broke and Patriotic, Why Poor Americans Love Their Country, and Arlie Russell Hochschild is a sociologist, and she's the author of Strangers in Their Own Land. 651-227-6000. If you get a busy signal, please call us back. I want to hear from as many people as we can. Up anywhere in the upper Midwest here, 800-242-2828. And on Twitter, at Carrie Ampere, where Eileen says, I think of patriotism as first being true to oneself, then family, then neighborhood, community, state, country, etc., with the ultimate goal of being globally patriotic. This allows an individual to be powerful, hopeful, and proud. To the phones to Anthony in, in Minneapolis. Hi, Anthony. So so glad you called, and thanks for waiting. No, good morning. How are you doing? Doing well. Um, I am really interested in their kind of what they're talking about because I am concerned that one of the challenges we have, and as you talked about this relationship we have to our country, it is it is grounded in whiteness in a way that we that we just cannot acknowledge in America. That I think it is a very difficult challenge, especially for African American people, to talk about the idea of patriotism. My own experience as an African American person is I did not feel this idea of patriotism until I was traveling in Europe where nobody's white, right? All of a sudden the Germans don't like the French, the French don't like the Norwegians, the fans got issues. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, it was really quite amazing. Poor people in this country seem to be very much steeped in the idea that at some point their whiteness will deliver them from the poverty that they exist in, that their freedom is deeply tied to that. And, and, and it is something that we continue to have the ability to acclimate into whiteness and the political and social benefits of whiteness, that is what seems to be steeped in patriotism to me. Francesco, I think Anthony was speaking to some of the interviews and the work, the research work that you did for your book. What do you think of what he's saying? I mean, I appreciate it very much what he's saying. There is definitely a, a dimension to patriotism in the United States that is very much white, right? At the same time, I spent a considerable amount of time talking to African-Americans, especially in Alabama. And that portion of my sample, if you will, uh, of the people that I spent time with uh, was actually, to my surprise, the most patriotic, uh, the most uh, articulate about their patriotism. And precisely in Alabama in particular, right, which you would expect to be a place of criticism if, if, and precisely along the lines of what uh, Anthony was talking about. So, you know, I cannot speak on, on behalf of the African-American experience, but I can say that I was surprised by the extent to which 
the African Americans that I met uh, were were hanging on to the American dream and what it could mean for them, and were willing to let go of uh, almost force themselves to say the past is the past. We need to move forward, and the American dream has a promise for us. Um, again, it may feel tragic and dramatic that that's what they think, and they're suffering at the same time. But uh, in some ways, while everything else is not going well for them, this thread of hope is especially meaningful to them. And that's what I kind of discovered. And so in some ways, it does give hope, right, specifically because of all the difficulties they uh, are experiencing. Yeah, just just a quote here from a sentence in your book. You say, although America's least well-off have reasons not to love their country, and I presume that's because... As, as we noted, they are not participating in the fullness of the American dream. You add, they hold it dear to their hearts and in many ways idealize it. Idealize it. That sounds like that was uh, a revelation to you as you began these interviews. Correct, because I went in thinking precisely uh, with a puzzle in my mind, and the puzzle was given that they're poor, no benefits, low, lower life expectancy, you know, small uh, declining wages, more inequality, you would expect them to be not patriotic. In fact, poor Americans are the most patriotic segment of the American population by some measures, depending on how you measure it. So that was my puzzle. And uh, I expected to, I wanted to hear why. And ultimately, I came to the conclusion that it was my puzzle. It wasn't their puzzle. For them, <laughs> the American dream is actually the the one thing that they can still hold on to with all of its promises, even if they're not fulfilled, considering precisely how everything else has not gone well for them. And again, I think that the um, distinction between the state and the nation is very important. In, and it was a distinction that they made. You know, the government may be corrupt. The policies may not be working. But the nation, the idea behind the nation we are still holding on to it. Oh. Call here from John in St. Paul. Hi, John. Thank you for, for holding on. I'm glad you did. No, yeah, no, my pleasure. I, I love this conversation. Um, and and my, my thought is simple. It's not really a question, but it's just a thought, and I'd like to hear your guest feedback on it, is I can wear a T-shirt that says uh, Patriot on it just as much as I can wear a T-shirt that says Religious on it. To me, that really doesn't say anything about who you are or what you stand for. Uh, as a Navy veteran, I stand for the uh, Navy core values of honor, courage, and commitment. To me, that's more being a patriot. And, and that kind of dovetails in with your prior uh, opening Clinton quote than anything else. So, um, I, like I said, I could, be, I could be a very selfish, nepotistic, or, or uh, narcissist in command. And that's not really being patriotic, I don't think. So yeah. anyway, I'd like to I'd like to hear your guest feedback on that. Sure. Thank yeah, you. I mean, this is you, you've put your finger on why we thought this would be an interesting conversation. You bring a lot of life experience and different ideas to this idea of what patriotism is. Arlie, to to what John is asking. Yes. Um, well, uh, I I think John's right that w- what we bring to the idea of being an American. Um, is is often our best self, and what as a Navy vet, he he has done that. Um, but I also want to talk about the go back to Anthony's question and talk about um, what can be the misuses of mm-hmm. patriotism, mm-hmm. Um, because Trump, for example, has criticized. Um, Kopernik, the um, 
49ers hero who just passed away for taking the knee and being unpatriotic to um, make a statement about racism. So in essence, he's Trump is being saying, okay, patriotism, let me define patriotism. You shouldn't be critical of America. You know, so you have uh, two different notions of what it is to be an American. One is um, love it or leave it. No criticism is is possible. You're unpatriotic if you criticize the U.S. And the other is, no, we're we're strong enough to be always criticizing ourselves, always trying to get better. And um, uh, I think that's very important, that patriotism as an idea can be misused yeah. to cut out self-criticism. I mean, this is why, as I was asking our listeners to think beyond just the symbols of patriotism, whether I was asking, can it be critical? Can it be challenging? Mm-hmm. Isn't that, in in perhaps some Americans' ideas, the most patriotic thing you can do? Apply exactly. pressure to make America better. Ask hard questions about why it isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To the phones to Jane in St. Paul. Hi, Jane. Thank you for waiting. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. You know, I I have two thoughts that came to mind, uh, two individuals who had had made these comments. One was, of course, President Kennedy back in 1960 when he said, ask not what uh, your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. And the other comment that came to mind was 20 years ago or so, when everyone was, uh, the politicians were into this thing of everyone had to wear a flag in their lapel. Right. I can't recall the name of the particular politician, but he said something that I agreed with. He said, I don't have to wear my mother's photo on my lapel to know that she is my mother. Hmm. And I feel that so strongly about our own United States of America. The gentleman who called, who was an African-American, I'd like to say that I am as well an African-American, who has had ancestors. We, I'm descended uh, partly from slaves, but I had ancestors who served in both the Civil War, the Spanish-American War, the First World War. My dad was one of the people that had to clean up after Pearl Harbor in the Second World War, and I've had cousins that died in Vietnam. And I know that because in our society we no longer have a society that requires us to have service of any kind. Uh, I think that's a mistake, but we don't. So many people are not aware of that that 1% of of our Americans who are serving in the military and in some way uh, setting up for our country, they are the ones that really are living patriots at the time that, uh, that we are experiencing. And I I just find it so frustrating when I I like the fact that the gentleman commented that the poor people uh, of our society are often the most patriotic. Absolutely. And what some people don't think about, because I'm a proud uh, African-American who is definitely much more aware over the last 40 years of her African roots and what what they mean. But we are the people who had nothing in this sense, and I'm not saying this in the way that Trump says it. We have nothing to lose because we don't know our distinct exact roots, as so many Europeans might know. And we, therefore, are of America as much as, in my opinion, as the Native Americans, because we are, we are the products of what this country meant when it brought us here, and we then became so much that has meant a lot to this country. Jane, and I'm, so, I, I'm, I, I'm through. I, I no, I'm really grateful you heard the show and you had an opportunity to call in. I want to say about some of the 
questions that you've raised. We will get a look at the latest news when we come back, coming back to some of these questions that Jane and Anthony and others of our callers have asked. Also, an interview with a senior at the University of Wisconsin, Oshkosh. She's a veteran of the U.S. Army. She works, volunteers at a Veterans Resource Center, and she's got some interesting thoughts about what patriotism means, what it means to her family, to her young children, and I hope it'll spark some conversation in your own household. 651-227-6000 to tell us this morning about what you're hearing in this conversation and what you're reflecting on. 800-242-2828 on Twitter at Carrie NPR. Back in just a minute. All right, back to Flyover 2020. And since patriotism is often associated with military service, we were curious about how young veterans think about it. We invited Stephanie Hartlebin to the show. She's a senior at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. She's a veteran of the U.S. Army, an intern at a Veterans Resource Center. She also lives in one of Wisconsin's flipped counties, flipped from blue to red in 2016. And she joins us today from Oshkosh. Stephanie, welcome. It's good to have you on the show. Good morning, Carrie. How are you this morning? Doing well. Um, I understand that military service goes back generations in your family. I I was interested in what you heard your parents and your grandparents say as you were growing up about what it meant to serve in the military. Um, I'm, I'm a sixth-generation Army vet, so in my family it's deep-rooted, and it was always, you're, we need to defend our country. There was no question about it. In high school, I was not one of those students that had college plans. I knew I was joining the Army on my 18th birthday. There was no question of it. And it, it just a lot of pride came from my grandparents, my great-grandparents, my father, everyone to wear the uniform. It was a privilege to wear the uniform. It, it, it's not a birthright. It's not anything like that. It is simply a privilege to be in this country and to be allowed to wear this country's uniform. Okay, so I'm curious about whether this service that you've done was more out of it's a family tradition, my family holds these values high and I believe in them, or was it I have some obligation to participate in this way uh, in my country's civic life? I mean, how do you distinguish between the two? I truly believe deep within my heart that even if my family didn't have a connection to the military, I still would have served in the military. Really? It it was the, the greatest part of my life, and I garnered many friends from it, many connections, and it, it holds a deep place in my heart. And even without the deep-seated family connection, I still would have been drawn to it. When people thank you for your service... What do you think? I know some military veterans feel a bit ambivalent about that because so few Americans serve. Uh, it actually makes me uncomfortable. Um, I don't like being thanked for it. I, I volunteered to do this. It, it, I didn't do it for thanks and recognition. Um, I tend to say thank you, but you should really um, just remember those that have died for our country and our older veterans who don't get a lot of recognition. So how do you define patriotism then, Stephanie? To me, patriotism is designed by the morality of the individual. It, it, you don't have to just be a veteran to have patriotism. There are many people in this country who are not natural-born citizens who have more patriotism than some people that I know. It, it's about how you feel about your country and remembering that we come from a very 
very good place in this country. We are afforded a lot of privileges that others don't have. So I want to make sure I heard you right. You don't equate the decision to serve in the military as some kind of superior or special brand of patriotism. Did I hear that right? Correct. Why? Why not? I think if anyone can give back to their country, some people do it by being a veteran, other by police, by fire. You don't have to wear a uniform to be a patriot. You can do other things for your country. You can help with protests and movements and being in politics and being at any level, whether it's a college level, a career level, a political level, even being elderly and giving back to different types of communities and programming within your community. That's the definition of patriotism to me. Yeah. Um, Stephanie, I want you to hear what Pete Buttigieg, who has also served in the military, has been saying about patriotism out on the campaign trail. And I'm curious about how the way he thinks about it aligns with with what you've described this morning. Here he is. Uh, Patriotism, love of country. Uh, the, The flag does not belong to one political party. And if we want to honor the flag, then we've got to honor what it stands for. It's going to take more to live up to the value of patriotism, the value of loving our country. It's going to take more than just the cheap nationalism of a president who hugs the flag, literally. So I think you hear him speaking back to the way some politicians may distort the idea of patriotism. What do you think about what he said? Um. I half agree with what he said, and I half don't agree. I do believe that patriotism, it it is deep-seated in someone. And for me, it's about passion. Patriotism equals passion. If you're a passionate individual, you're going to do what you need to to defend that passion. And I think in this country, we're afforded the ability to have our own voice. We have the ability to understand and be in tune with what's happening in our government and to be able to stand up and say, I don't agree. We, we the people, it's the strongest words we have in this country. And you can hug the flag, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you understand what its true meaning is. You've talked to your kids about this, right? Yes, I do, on what, a regular basis. What do you say? So you're, is it a given that you're, do you, do you have two boys, boy, girl? I have um, a daughter and a son. Okay. Is it a given that your daughter and son will serve in the military because that's what this family does? No. I encourage my kids to do whatever they feel right. If they want to go to college, they can go to college. I just encourage that they do something to give back, some type of community service. It doesn't have to be wearing the uniform. It's not for everyone. And if you're forced into the military, you don't get as much from the military as you could as if you truly want to be there. Stephanie, I want to grab a call for you from Deanna in St. Cloud. Hi, Deanna. I'm glad you called. Hi. How are you thinking about this? Well, my father did serve 25 years in the Air Force, and I grew up um, with the belief that honesty and integrity, you know, and character were what what really comprised, you know, what an American is, um, how we should present ourselves in life. And as a youth, I had the opportunity to travel overseas to a third world country where I saw people in in abject poverty. I mean, the poverty like I had never imagined before. And I I just, you know, came back and I said, well, we have so many opportunities here that, you know, I'm going to make the best of this life. 
However, as time went on, as an African-American woman, I began to realize that that a lot of the the things that I had been taught when I was younger were not necessarily uh, as smooth a road or as easy as it was made out to be when I was young. And it might be a shift in the social consciousness between the 70s and 80s and and the 90s and and 2000s. But it seems to me like the honesty, the integrity, and the values are becoming more and more subjected to exploitation, greed, and dishonesty. So, Deanna, this is why I wanted Stephanie to hear your call, because it brings us back, Stephanie, to this part of the conversation where we were asking, can you acknowledge that America isn't what we want it to be, that, that America misses, in some ways, that standard, and still be a patriot? Yes. If we don't have patriotism, there's never going to be any room for change in our country. Those of us that still have that deep-seated patriotism are the ones that are going to be able to remind our fellow citizens what our country can be. In recent years, yes, things in this country have taken a different light, but we always seem to be able to bring ourselves back. It might take a lot longer than we anticipate, and it might be caused by deep-set tragedy like 9-11. But if you look at everything that happened to our country outside the political specter, we were united. There were people embracing each other. There were people that maybe didn't get along because they didn't agree, but they, they were bonded by the fact that they were Americans in this country, and their patriotism was very strong. Patriotism knows no race or ethnicity. It is in the, the beholder. It is the morality of the person who believes it. And if you truly are grateful for what you have, you're going to give back. Like I said, it, patriotism equals passion. So, Deanna, you still with us? Yes, and I have a question about that because um, I'm a big proponent of uh, proportionate representation. I just feel that the two-party system is not working for everyone. It's not inclusive. And so a lot of times it really makes me kind of sick to watch the good cop, bad cop action between Republicans and Democrats, where I see the Republicans acquit Donald Trump in the Senate. But I also see one of the senators from Minnesota, who's one of the vocal against that. But she also took the votes away from the, the popular vote. Okay, and so, so Deanna, we're, ki- we're kind of, Deanna, we're veering off a little bit from, I think, the, the core of our conversation. What, what I wondered is if what you heard Stephanie say and agree to is kind of what you brought to the discussion, which is you can be critical, you can acknowledge that America doesn't live up to its standard, but still be patriotic. How does that sound to you? It sounds wonderful, but I'm wondering how we can participate and actually change the system. Got it. Is it inclusive? Does it allow for all of us to fully make mold it into what our ideals, vision of this country and what it can be? Okay. What it is and what it can be. I think, I think I'll take that back to our guests. Uh, Stephanie, thank you so much for the time and the benefit of your experience and your ideas about this. Really good to have you on the show. Yeah. Thank you so much, Carrie. I appreciate the opportunity. Francesco, to the to the other questions that Deanna was asking is, so what is our responsibility to participate and 
and try to make change in the face of, uh, at the moment, which seems like a lot of paralysis in Washington? Yeah, I mean, these are, that was a great conversation. I think that um, the exchange highlighted a one dimension of patriotism that I hadn't mentioned in our previous exchange, and that is the notion of contribution and generosity, as well as uh, it being combined with hope, right? And th- that combination, I think, is, a sen- is an essential element of, uh, of American uh, patriotism. But at the same time, and there's a great book on this by a sociologist at Dartmouth, John Campbell. The book is titled American Discontent. And this goes back to the comment that Anthony, I think, also made. Um, some people feel that the ability to actually live up to that notion of giving back with hope, with the hope of results, is sort of vanishing because mm-hmm. of a confluence of various long tra- long-term trends, uh, racial trends, per Anthony's point, but also economic trends, demographic trends, and political trends in Washington. And some feel that, in fact, you know, you can be patriotic, but you're up against an uh, insurmountable institutional and political and, and cultural uh, challenge. And I think that's where kind of Trump, I guess, in many ways comes in. I am struck, uh, Francesco and and uh, Arlie, about how you've both used hope quite a few times in our conversation. Arlie, can you can you have patriotism without hope? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, actually, I think it's uh, uh, and Francesco has found that in the, the feelings of the people he's interviewed. Um, uh, but uh, I think there are two kinds of patriotism. One is open and one is closed. Hmm. And uh, how, how so? Well, if you have a kind of, and maybe this speaks to Diana's point, um, if you have a kind of a closed patriotism, you're putting down other countries. I, and uh, I think I'd have to say Trump is doing this. Oh, Nigerians can't come in. Oh, Mexicans are rapists and thieves. Um, and uh, he said to the uh, Norwegian um, prime minister, oh, we would, who is white, uh, oh, we would like immigrants like you. This is a, this is a closed patriotism. This is a race-oriented patriotism, which is very different, I think, from an open patriotism um, that um, it doesn't mean we don't have borders, but that we don't have these um, anti-other um, countries, kind of implicitly racist uh, kind of thread through in a notion of patriotism. So uh, we can, the word patriotism, you know, can be misused and we need to be sensitive to that in right. order to repair it. Agreed. To be alert to it, because you're going to hear a lot of politicians talking about patriotism in this election season. Let me take a call here from two in Big Lake. Hi, good morning. Glad you waited. Hi there. Hi. So my perspective is coming from a first generation um, uh, citizen. My family escaped the Vietnam War and were refugees, Mm -hmm. and I was the only one in my family who was born here. So my sense of patriotism runs in my blood. I was, you know, told my entire life that I could, I was the only one in the family who could become president, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. things like that. I witnessed at five years old 
my whole family members and everybody at the state capitol getting sworn in as citizens. Wow. And, I mean, that's a distinct memory as a five-year-old child. So my statement is I am so patriotic in every single way, and I show that in my actions, in my thoughts, in my discussions, and it's not blatantly all over me. I don't wear T-shirts that say I'm patriotic or anything. So my statement is pretty much um, immigrants and people who come to this country and become citizens and become a part of the society are just as patriotic as anybody else who has had generations living here. It would be you know? interesting uh, to to hear how you and your parents either differ or agree on this idea of patriotism. You know, you with with uh, being born a citizen, your parents having gained that status, how they yes. think about patriotism. Do you think there's a big difference? You know, no, because they set the roots for that for yeah, me. Right. Because they came escaping from you know, a communist country. And they spent a couple of years in refugee camps, and then they were able to come in to the U.S. And just the American dream and all the wonderful things that are supposed to entail the country, you know, and all that is supported by patriotism. Yeah. And as a final thing, I just want to say, um, assimilation does not equal patriotism either, because this country is founded on so many cultures and differences, and, you know, that's what everything is built on. So as long as people are living and loving the best they can, their life and supporting each other, I mean, and in the name of our country, right? And everybody in it. I mean, that's, that's just my thought. So I'm really glad you heard the show and you had a chance to call in. Thanks so much. Francesco, um, at the end there, she went to the place that I wanted to talk to you about, which is... As the country grows ever more diverse, are we open enough to these different concepts of what patriotism is? And may, and it's not an assimilated version of what America looked like in 1952. That's a very good question. And as she was talking, another point came to my mind, and that is how prevalent in general, patriotism is in America. That's you, true. You see that if you lose statistics, if you look at statistics across countries, we are one of the most patriotic countries, meaning people think about it very actively, right? And it's something that's very important to them. That's not the same case in many other countries. They just don't talk about it. They don't think about it. The flags aren't as prominent as our lead was talking about. So that's an important, an important point. But to your question, um, you know, are we ready for something more diverse? Uh, some of us are, and some of us obviously are not. And there is a, I think it goes back to Anthony's question again, or point, and that is that um, it, it, there is a, certainly a section of the population that doesn't really see uh, Amer the American contract as a very inclusive contract. Uh, they wouldn't think of it that way. But I think that that's the case. But many others are ready, and demographics are pointing in that direction. So eventually, the country will shift towards, I'm quite convinced, towards a very inclusive notion of patriotism, I mean, of patriotism in the country. And that's implicit in any case in the social contract. I think it's just a question of, of time, basically. Francesco Arley, thank you very much for a, a very wide-ranging <laughs> conversation <laughs> with some great calls. Thanks for being part of it. Good to have you here. Wonderful. Thanks for having me.
Thank you very much, and thanks to the callers as well. And thank you, Arlie. Arlie Hochschild's uh, book is called Strangers in Their Own Land. Francesco Duina's book is called Broken Patriotic, Why Poor Americans Love Their Country. And yes, I have been seeing tweets. I think Arlie misspoke when she was talking about Colin Kaepernick, and she referred to him as someone who had recently passed away. You noted on Twitter, it is Kobe Bryant. Thanks for keeping us honest on Twitter. You just heard a recording of a live radio show from NPR News. You can add your voice to the discussion by calling in at 800-242-2828 or tweeting us at Carrie, K-E-R-R-I, NPR. To hear more conversations like this, subscribe to our podcast. And thanks. You just heard a recording of a live radio show from NPR News. You can add your voice to the discussion by calling in at 800-242-2828 or tweeting us at Carrie, K-E-R-R-I, NPR. To hear more conversations like this, subscribe to our podcast. And thanks.